Hey, Sales Lift audience, it's Tyler Lindley, your host here. Today, I have Joey Gilkey with Sales Driven Agency. Hey, how's it going, Joey? Welcome to the podcast. What's up, my man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. So uh, Joey is a uh, has a ton of sales experience. Uh, originally worked in Fortune 100 sales organizations, led sales teams there, transitioned over to the agency world, realized a lot of the same concepts of running a sales team and, and having a good sales process apply to agencies uh, that maybe don't have that in place. So, so Joey's been building out a ton of cool businesses, helping out a lot of agencies grow and scale their sales organizations. And before we were chatting, Joey, about hiring and training new sales reps on your team, which I know is something that can be very difficult for a small agency who's, who's never done it or maybe hiring their first sales rep. So what are you seeing? What trends are you seeing? What's working well with agencies as they bring on hiring and training a new sales rep? Yeah. So I think starting with the problem even is a lot of agencies and agency owners have gotten to where they're at running an agency Someone on accident, I'd say 80% of the time. Usually it's a, someone who could do something super cool in digital marketing or creative, worked for somebody else, got a side gig, became a freelancer, word of mouth travel, had enough work to hire someone. Then they became an agency, right? Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. And, and nowhere along that path did they really learn sales. And so naturally, they find themselves on this path of we're growing to some degree because we do good work. But I have overhead that's continuing to increase or is at least constant every month. And I've got to figure out sales. And yet I'm an agency owner. I'm a creative. I'm a strategist. I'm a technician. I'm not a salesperson. I've never had a career in sales. And so what we find is that most folks think uh, the problem or the the solution to that problem is, well, I got to go hire a salesperson. And so they usually do one of two things. They either go out and they hire a, a, a senior level salesperson, right? You know, a biz dev guy or, or someone who's maybe a director level or VP level, who's probably not been in agency world. And then they get into agency world and, and the agency owner expects them to build out their sales infrastructure and department and sell. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know this, most people who are in that VP of sales level are probably done selling by the time they're at that point in their career. Mm-hmm. And so they're at this, 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 issue where they are torn like, oh, I wanted you to build my sales department and I want you to sell. And so there's that route. And it's a very expensive route. That's a that's a six figure salary type of person. Yep. Very expensive mistake. Or there's the I just need to hire some salespeople, right? As long as I have salesperson in their title, like they're gonna go sell for me. So they think it's kind of like, well, let me just go hire a salesperson and and my sales problems are going to go away. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, those who succeed at that are those who set those salespeople up for success before they get there. So we're a big proponent of making sure that if you're going to go out and hire salespeople because sales is not your thing, that you've got to set them up and your agency up for success, which we can get into what that actually definition-wise looks like, in order for them to come in and and succeed. Otherwise, you're going to spin your wheels in three to six months. They're either going to leave because they're frustrated or you're going to fire them because you're losing money. Yep. So... That's the common place. <laughs> what about the third bucket of agency owners who try to just do it themselves? They just, you know, yes. without any experience, without sales background, they dislike sales. It's not what they want to do, but, you know, they decide options one and two, hiring someone mm-hmm. senior, hiring someone junior, and I'll manage them. Uh, option three, I could just do it myself. What about that option? Do you think that's a, a feasible, is it a realistic option for some folks? What are your thoughts there? Not from a scale perspective. So here's the reason why oftentimes that happens. So most agency owners look at sales as deals that I close, right? Like that's how they define sales. 
And most agencies are growing through word of mouth and referral and maybe some like really sporadic inbound, right? Nothing predictable, nothing sustainable. And so what happens is agency owners can oftentimes find themselves as being the only salesperson Hmm. and they don't know how to actually delegate. So I'm a big fan of what we call do document delegate. Mm -hmm. You got to do something really well until you can document it really well. And then once you document it really well, you can delegate it really well. And so oftentimes they're not good doers. So they don't know how to document and they don't know how to delegate. Mm -hmm. And the other problem is because their word of mouth referral sporadic inbound, every lead is so valuable to them because they don't know when the next one's coming. Mm -hmm. They don't know if it's going to be an unqualified or qualified. And so because of that, every lead is so valuable that the thought of you who are probably your best salesperson, because you know your product the best, you're the most passionate, you transitioning that to a salesperson that can maybe do 50% or 70% as good as you on day one, you realize you're going to drop the ball on some leads. Mm -hmm. And so because you're so word of mouth driven, we call it unpredictable driven, uh, because you're so unpredictable in your growth, you don't have the luxury, at least mentally, to delegate to someone. And because of that, that's my answer to that. There are definitely agency owners out there that can just crush it by themselves uh, who don't need a biz dev guy or sales guy. They're just, they're very few out there yeah. that could do that. They're few and far between. Not yeah. many agency owners like had this background in sales and then they decided to start an agency. Like you said, typically it's like the accidental agency owner who's the creative. Yeah, I'm a little weird. <laughs> For me to go that route was, was I'm a weird person. I, I intentionally <laughs> started an agency, whereas most kind of find themselves accidentally doing it. And I came from a career of sales, not a career of digital marketing. Right, right, exactly. Uh, which is why I love agency people because we're just yin and yang, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's easier, to, it's easier to have that conversation. Yeah, I like the idea of delegating. I think that a lot of agency owners seems like have a tough time delegating, whether it's sales process or anything. Is that a piece of this? Like learning how to let go? Is that a part of whether you're hiring yes. or doing it yourself? How does an yeah. agency owner learn how to do that? What would you tell, get, what, what advice would you give to someone on, you need to delegate more, you need to learn how to let go because they yes. have a tough time doing that. You ha- so this comes back. So literally my, my mentor, a guy named Vinny Fisher, mm-hmm. good friend of mine, mentor, good client of mine, runs a company called Fully Accountable. They're an incredible business. They're essentially a back office for agencies and e-commerce businesses. Mm-hmm. And he's run and built or sold multiple eight-figure businesses. And one thing he told me, he said, Joey, if you really want to grow and scale, you have to be okay with handing work off to somebody who can do it 70% as good as you. Because you're always going to be the bottleneck in the business. And if you're not okay with 70% as good, you're never going to find somebody that can come in and be hundred percent as good as you on day one period. And so the way that you scale is being 70, being okay with 70% as good, which seems counterintuitive. Like we want to have a talent that can always mm-hmm. come in and, and just crush it day one, but it's just never the case where they can really do that very rarely, at least. Yep. Um, and so that was one of the, from a mindset perspective, that really helped me because he, he told me, he's like, if you can get yourself out of this particular thing, ops or something that I'm not good at operations or project management and delegate to someone that can do a 70% as good as you, you can now go focus on revenue generation again. And so you can go grow revenue and then that person can do a 70% as good and you can facilitate them, give them resources. And then they're going to grow to being as hundred percent or more than you were or on the flip side, for most agency owners, they don't want to go focus on revenue generation. They want to go focus on doing the cool stuff that they started their business on. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to delegate to someone who can do it 70% as good as you, you know, the way that I think about it is if uh, you're the agency owner 
and you get 10 leads a month because it's, I mean, that would be a good month for a lot of agencies <laughs> to get yeah. 10 qualified leads. Right. And you, because it's, you're the owner, it's a word of mouth and it's a warm referral. You can close 50% of those. That's great. But you're probably neglecting other aspects of your business. If you're able to get out and let someone perform 70% as good as you who can close 30%, and you can go focus on maybe driving a little bit more leads. If you can convert 30% of 15 leads because you focus on your brand, you focus on delivery, you focus on retention, whatever, or you focused on being able to deliver a better service and charge more, mm -hmm. closing 30% of a deal that's twice as expensive as the one you were closing 50% of, you're actually net positive 10%. So I think there's that mindset shift that you have to be okay with delegating to someone who's not going to be as good as you. And then... If you also think about the other way is if you get out and you hire two people that can do it 70% as good as you, well, now you're net positive 40%, right? right? So that's just the way I think about it. I think that's, it comes down to a mindset shift. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just a really, really hard hurdle to get over. <laughs> that makes sense. So in the example of, we talked about like whether you bring on a, a sales hire, what kind of sales hire that might be, or you do it yourself. Let's say you do bring on that sales hire or you bring on a few folks, you bring on a few, two, two or three that could do it 70%. You're now, you know, that agency owner becomes the de facto sales manager, which is also a role that they've never done. So they've never maybe yep. sold in their life. They've also never managed or held people accountable to a sales process or to a quota. What advice do you give those folks who are now not, they're not in a sales role, so that's good, but now they're in a sales manager role, which is a lot different of a skill set. Uh, yes. What's best in that scenario? Yeah, so this is gonna come back to like process. So I, I'm a big fan of process. So a lot of people think, let me just go hire a sales rock star to come in and crush it for me. And they're going to come in and be that lone wolf and they might crush it for you. I mean, probably not, but they might. And even if they do, they can just go away tomorrow and you go back to you being the salesperson doing a you know, haphazard job. And so you have to get that process, get that process, just get a process for your salespeople. You got to have a process for how you manage those salespeople and a streamlined process that gives you transparency into your organization. So the way that, that we really promote management. And when we come in and build out stuff for agencies, when we're building out a sales operation, management is one of the, the key components, right? It's easy to hire. Honestly, it's really easy to hire, especially when you're looking for the types of salespeople that we look for, right? We're attitude over aptitude. And we want someone that has less than five years experience of sales and more than two. There's a lot of those out there. And so if you can go hire them, as long as our culture fit, I believe if, if they come into the right training and the right process and the right system, they can be successful as long as they are trained well and they're managed well. So the management component, uh, we actually have a, a resource internally that every client we build out for them, which is what we call a daily shutdown scorecard. I'm a big fan of having daily accountability, not meetings, but I want to have transparency into what their day looked like. And that's everything from what revenue did you drive today? How many first time appointments did you set? How many uh, meetings did you conduct? How many total activities did you do? What hurdles are you experiencing or obstacles can we help serve you with? What were your overall thoughts on today? And then we have essentially six questions that is a one to five rating scale mm -hmm. on, did you keep your calendar today? Or did you take control of your calendar today? Did you serve people well? Like those types of things. And what's cool is when you gather that data on a daily basis, and it's a mandatory thing, right? My salespeople have to do it. If you miss three of them, I fire you, mm -hmm. period. It's just that important because I want to, as the manager, streamline my ability to have transparency into how people are performing. Because when you have it daily, you can notice trends in a salesperson. Like for instance, if you're noticing that their revenue is high, 
but they're rating themselves pretty low, it probably means they're riding the high of a previous week's really good performance. And they're probably about to hit a slump um, because right, the revenue is high. It means they probably had really high ratings in previous weeks on how they rated themselves, on how they did today, how they serve people, did they control the calendar. And then now all of a sudden they're low, but the revenue is still high. They're probably about to go into a week where the revenue is going to be really low. And so preparing for that, knowing that spotting trends early, that's huge. And that's just a process where we have a, a landing page on our website that every salesperson knows before they leave every day, goes mm-hmm. to that website, fills it out. It goes into a database. It's uh, organized in a way that it's supposed to be organized. And it gives a lot of transparency. Yeah. And on top of that, just having the right KPIs to measure. So yeah. big believer in dashboards and, and reporting at the department level. How's your overall sales team performing? Deals closed, deals lost. Revenue open, revenue open per stage. How many deals are open per stage? Average close, right? Just stuff like that. And then individual rep dashboards where you actually look into the specific activity. Yep. That's a lot. Overall, the, the way that I like to manage is outcomes over activity. But if the outcomes aren't there, I'm going to look at the quantity of activities first. Here's like my hierarchy of how I think about management. Are the outcomes there? Yes or no? If yes, cool. Leave it alone. Uh, If no, look at the activities. Are they doing enough activities? Yes or no? Yes. Well, that's a qualitative issue. Let's go look at the quality of your calls, your meetings, your templates, your scripts, et cetera. If it's a no on the quantitative part of activity, then let's bump up your activity and see what happens. And then if if it persists, your outcomes aren't there, then let's drop down to qualitative. That's just how I structure hierarchy. Mm -hmm. I'm just not a big fan of having the daily activity quotas per se. Right. Um, so it sounds different. It sounds to me like you, it, like it's obviously a data driven, data driven system. It's a process driven system, but it sounds to me like you think that that agency owner, assuming they have an infrastructure in place, they can be that sales manager. They can be the one holding them accountable. They don't necessarily have to outsource. They could outsource the sales management piece, but they don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to, as long as there is an infrastructure of accountability within the sales organization, which, which I've seen like, you know, sales, I've seen owners of agencies try to implement that themselves. And it it can be very difficult because what you're talking about is basically just sales management for any size organization, whether you're fortune 100 or you're mid market, or you're just getting started and you're trying to hire your your first salesperson, the the same principles apply, but it's also, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing to hold people accountable to those things. That's why sales management is tough. It's not an easy thing to do, but do you think if they had got the system in place, it's just a matter of learning how to hold people accountable to that system? Yeah. And I think there is an, you know, I think there needs to be a production process in place too. Like I think that you need to have a a process for producing results and keep them accountable to that. Otherwise, if they're all over the place doing their own thing, a bunch of lone wolves on your team that you're trying to manage, it's really hard to know what's working or what's not working, who's working, who's not working and, and the why behind all that. And so my big thing is making sure you have process on the production side so that it makes your job on process on the management side a lot easier because you're you're essentially stacking a bunch of people up against each other and you can you know a lot of data comes from that but the one part about sales management that a lot of people neglect is these are human beings right these are people that they're not just sales reps or BDRs or SDRs or senior advisors or whatever you want to call your sales people when they leave the office at 5 or 6 o'clock at night they go home to you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, husbands, kids, you don't know their situation. Um, You should know their situation, but a lot of people don't. 
and we look at them as just like a production machine. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, we're going to get more production out of people if they feel valued. And they also feel the weight of their position and for other people in the company. So I think that caring and empathizing with those people that you're managing is going to make you an incredible manager, right? If you can actually combine data with just straight up humanity, you can be a phenomenal manager and you don't need to spend 40 hours a week doing that. You can be really effective. You have weekly one-on-ones, you have weekly team standups, we have monthly alignment meetings, and we have quarterly breakdowns. That's, those are the four meetings you really need to be having on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and if you have the data to equip you and you have the personal goals and the company goals next to each other with the personal from the sales rep and the company with your company goals, you can be a really effective sales manager in, in five to 10 hours a week at most. Yeah. And now we're starting to bleed into, I think more of a culture conversation as well, just having a, a company culture and mm-hmm. a, it sounds like a culture of transparency is one that you'd recommend uh, where everyone's aligned on the overall company's mission and the goals. And there's regularly that those are regularly communicated to everyone on the team. It sounds like that kind of a culture and, and company it, it bleeds into the sales organization. So maybe 100%. you, you got to focus on that. It, that sounds like the foundation, right? The, of, of before you even hire your first sales rep, need to have those things in place before you think about adding on all these sales manager type duties. Yes. Yeah. I think that again, attitude over aptitude is my, it doesn't mean you neglect aptitude, right? But my biggest thing is you, it's really difficult to teach attitude or it's inefficient, right? I don't want to spend my time teaching you how to have a good sales you know, attitude when it comes to being a salesperson. So I'm a big fan of attitude over aptitude. I prioritize aptitude second, but it's still important. And having that culture fit, the culture I want to create in my organization is one of caring, one of serving, but also one of, of competition and one of helping you achieve your personal financial goals, personal career goals, while also helping me achieve my company vision and goals, right? Yep. And seeing them as valuable players, right? I think oftentimes salespeople can only see they're only as valuable as what they can produce, <laughs> which is somewhat true because they, they are the ones who drive revenue. But I think if you help them see how valuable that is to the company, it enables you to create a culture of, of really caring, right? So if you can go to a salesperson and say, Hey, listen, I know you're only making 35 K base, right? And you might attribute the value you bring to the base that you get. It's just not true to have this commission structure. But what you have to realize is the revenue you help drive for the company helps pay payroll for your coworkers who are not involved with revenue generation. And the payroll that goes to paying the, the, the salaries of your coworkers goes home and provides for those families. Mm -hmm. And so you, you are directly impacting the families of the people in your company who are not involved in revenue generation. And so for you to feel that weight, it shouldn't crush you, but it should empower you to know that your work is super valuable. And what you do on a day-to-day basis is incredibly valuable to families involved in this company. So that's, that's just a, a mindset shift as well. Yeah. Um, and something that I really strive to bake into every culture that I have the opportunity to build out. Right. So if we go back to the hiring piece, if you're going to, if you hire for attitude over aptitude, what are you looking for in the hiring process? What traits, what skills, what kind of backgrounds, what specifically should you be looking for if you're looking to hire someone with a great attitude to bring mm-hmm. on as that first sales hire, the second or the first sales manager, whoever they yeah. might be kind of to, to build that kind of culture and continue with everything else you're talking about. What are you looking for in the hiring process before they start? 
Yeah, no, that's perfect. So really two things. One, uh, drive and humility. Those are, t- those are really two really challenging ones to, to pair, but that's what I'm really looking for. Drive, because I don't want to ever have to sit down with you in our weekly one-on-one and say, hey, you know, Tyler, you know, you're really struggling here. Your activity's down, your outcomes are down, your morale's down, you're rating yourself really low on your, your daily shutdown scorecard. I don't ever want to, want to have to get in that position. So drive is one. But two, humility, I say humility because I'm a big fan of coachability, mm-hmm. right? You have to be coachable. You have to be able to receive that feedback. If I do notice a trend of like, hey man, you're, you're really struggling here. Let's do this. And if you're too proud to receive that from me, you're not going to be a good fit for my team. And those are the, the two main qualities I look for from an attitude standpoint. And also just, a, you know, drive and hunger kind of synonymous to some degree, but I think there's drive, which is like competitive and those types of things. And there's hunger, which is like, you just salivate over the sale. Like you really want to go after there, out, go out there and then combine that with humility. And it's a super powerful individual. Yeah. yeah. Especially if they have experience. I mean, if you can have experience, humility, right. and drive all in once. Um, <laughs> the holy grail, right? <laughs> with with a solid process for them to come into and succeed right. with. Man, it's it's a uh, fire. Yeah, exactly. Now that makes a lot of sense. What do you see, like when this process, you, you, let's say you build all this infrastructure, you've got the system in place, you get the right, the right people in the right seats from a sales perspective. Uh, you've got the daily machine working. Where do you see this break down? And, and where do you see this process fail? And, and if it fails, like how would you fix those problems? Hmm. That's, I haven't really been asked that question. So on the fly, <laughs> I'll, I'll think through it. Well, the obvious one is if you can really nail the sales department or become a sales-driven agency, your next biggest problem is operations and delivery. So keep mm-hmm. a pulse on that, which isn't sales-related. It's ops and, and project or delivery side, client side. However, I do think that there is uh, a bit of a breakdown in the sales department when sometimes, though I'm big on process, I'm a massive on process, the biggest, most important thing. We can sometimes overemphasize process and not create room for innovation and improvement. Mm. And so it's this weird, it's this really, really weird combination of, I want you to follow process because this is what works. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, I also want you to, to be your own entrepreneur to some degree with, you know, within guardrails and I think that we can get so rigid that sometimes we don't allow some salespeople to really express their true giftings that are actually going to help us move the needle. That's usually where I see a big breakdown or complacency. You know, we get so used to how we do things that we just kind of lose the shine, if you will, mm-hmm. kind of becomes every day. And then we can, we can hit a plateau and wonder why it's usually because we're not pressing forward towards new goals and innovating. And, and that comes down to the manager or the agency owner to create that. Right. Um, so yeah, there can always be a, I would, I would probably lump all that into culture. You can have a big culture breakdown. Yeah. If you create a, a, a culture of competition, which I am a huge fan of creating a culture of competition and you're not simultaneously creating a culture of service and servitude, that, that competition can kind of turn into a big ego play and mm-hmm. then fireworks. 
in the wrong type of firework, <laughs> not, the, not the right kind. Right. So that's where I see a couple of breakdowns. Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting, especially with sales, sales reps. I mean, you do have egos at play. I mean, whether someone's been in sales for, for you're just getting started or they've been in sales a long time. I mean, obviously there's egos at play. There's commission checks at play, which is a, a big ego boost as well. How do you think you balance that? A lot of these, a lot of these agency owners will be bringing on a sales rep for the first time. How do you balance that first hire who might be really heavily commission-based or might be making a lot more than a lot of people on the service side who've been here longer. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that and keep that culture alive while also like being a growth-driven agency as well? Yeah, I think it comes back to that point I made about letting them understand the weight of their job. And this is very difficult to do where a lot of people who are in sales are in sales because usually they have ego, not always, but a lot of times I have, I mean, me, I have an ego. I'm a, you know, I would like to say that I've become a lot more humble over the years, but nonetheless, I'm still an ego type of person, right? It's right. just in my nature. I played division one football. I'm very competitive. Um, I want to win. And so there is that, that, but then when you also can combine that ability to compete and want to win with rowing in unison with other people, and realizing that your row is drastically important, incredibly important, uh, especially when it comes to other people who are also on the same boat rowing. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird balance, man. I think that it, it's one that I, I wish I had like, the perfect answer for because right. I don't, but I think it does come down to a combination of competing and humility and, yeah. and desire to serve alongside people. Right. It's so difficult to do. And it's trying to find that silo. You're trying to find that sales rep that has humility too, which I mean, that it does exist. I mean, it, it might be harder to find in someone with a background in sales because they might be, you know, type A, very aggressive, like just get out of my way, lone wolf type that you've brought up. Right. But I think if you find someone with at least the ability to be coachable, the ability to be hum, hum you know, have humility. I think that that can be an asset as you introduce them to the organization as someone who's going to be there driving growth, might be making a little bit more money, but like all, you know, everyone's rowing in unison. Like you said, if they, if yeah, you're doing yeah, that, I think, then I think it's a positive. So. And having that culture of rising tides lifts all ships kind of thing is, is super important too. And, you know, in my hiring process, I actually, we bake it in to critique them. Like, hmm in one stage. So the way that we have our hiring process built out, we want to weed out 90% of applicants on step number one. Yep. And then once we get to the interview, I want, we bake it in on top of questioning and asking different things. We bake in criticism. Right. And, and that's a little bit weird, but I want to bake in criticism because I want to see how they handle it. Cause the way they handle it is going to be either they shut down and mm -hmm. they can't receive it. They get defensive and they're not coachable or they say, Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And they either change or they give some thoughtful feedback to your criticism. I think that's, that's one way to find humility amidst a, a, a an environment or a landscape of ego is to bake in some sort of criticism or, or constructive feedback to your hiring process. Yeah. No, I love that. I think it's, that, that makes for some interesting first interviews too, especially Shoot, yeah. <laughs> if you've got that. I mean, you're really going to know after that conversation, whether or not you should continue. So, and it all, well, you're asking a question. We bake in a question that we like to ask, which is hypothetically, we bring in a couple of salespeople about the same time as you and you're performing the lowest or you're not performing at the same level as everybody else. Why is that? Hmm. And then just literally open, uh, give them an open floor 
to, to kind of give you an answer on, well, the breakdown for me, this is, a, this is another way to ask about their, their weaknesses. We basically say, why is that? And what would you do to change it? Right. And, and that's just a way to kind of see, like, I'd probably come to you, my manager and ask, Hey, how can I improve? And like, that shows some humility. Like those are just baking those things and being really intentional with the questions you ask mm-hmm. in the hiring process is going to save you a lot of headache yeah. with just egotistical people. Right. So to sum everything up, it sounds like get the foundation in place, the culture, have that in place to begin with, and then build that sales foundation as well from a hiring perspective, bringing in the right people. Yep. And then from there, you're ready to, it sounds like be a, a sales driven, growth driven agency, right? That's right. Yep. Makes sense. Awesome. Joey, great conversation. How can my listeners find you online if they want to connect? Yeah, man, you can go to salesdrivenagency.com and that'll be, there's a couple of windows there you can go through that'll send you in different directions, but that's probably the best place, salesdrivenagency.com. And always I'm super active on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll link both to both of those links, uh, salesdrivenagency.com as well as uh, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So uh, feel free to check those out. Joey, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to bring you back on and, and, and talk some more sales soon. Okay. Yeah, brother. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas, plus action equals results. You've got new ideas, now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.